Good morning to Radha Kalachanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. We are reading the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And it is after the ongoing conversation with the um, sages in Namasaranya, as it goes on, chapter 2 of Canto 1 speaks of divinity and divine service. But before we continue with chapters, chapter 2, text 6, We'd like to sing Jaya Radha Madhava. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Yamunati Ravanachari Yamunati Ravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Kirivaradari Jamunati Ravanachari Yamunati Ravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Madhava Kunja Bihari 
Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivara Dari Yashoda Nandana Braja Jaranjana Yashoda Nandana Braja Jaranjana Yamuna Tiravanachari Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Jai Radha Kalachanji Radha Kalachanji Radhe Jaya Radha Kalachanji Radha Kalachanji Radhe Jaya Jaya Jagannath 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 Jaya Jaya Jagannath Jaya Jaya Baladev 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 Jaya Jaya Baladev Jaya Jaya Subhadra 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 Jaya Jaya Subhadra Jaya Jaya Gornitai 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 Jaya Jaya Gornitai Nitai Goro Haribol 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 Nitai Goro Haribol Nitai Goro Haribol 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 Nitai Goro Haribol Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Hare Krishna Hare Krishna so we're continuing with Canto 1, Chapter 2, and we're on text 6. Yes, text 6. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So the text 6 
Save pumsha paro damo yato bhakti arhok saje ahatuke aprati hatta yayatma suprasidati save pumsha paro dama yato bhakti arhok saje ahotuke aprati hat yayatma suprasidati save pumsha paro damo Yato bhaktir arhok sade, ahotuke apratiyata, yayatma suprasidati. Anyone want to challenge the word for word, the, the text? Otherwise we'll go word for word. Save pomsha paro damo Yato bhaktiya hok saje Adhe tuke aprati hato Yayatma suprasidati Save pomsha paro damo Yato bhakti radhok saje. Arhotuke aprata hata. Yayatma suprasidati. Now, word for word, sa. That, they, certainly. Umsham. For mankind. Para. Sublime. Dana. Occupation. Yata. By which. Bhakti. Devotional service. Adhoksaje. Unto the transcendence. Adhoksaje. Causeless. Apratihata. Unbroken. Yaya. By which? Atma. The self. Suprasidati. Completely satisfied. And the translation here is the supreme Occupation or dharma for all humanity is that by which men can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendent Lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated and uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. Again, the supreme occupation dharma for all humanity is that by which men can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendent Lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated and uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. 
the purport here is in this statement, Sri Sutta Goswami answers the first question of the sages of Namasaranya. And I believe there's six questions that they ask. I remember reading that earlier. The sages asked him to summarize the whole range of revealed scriptures and present the most essential part so that fallen people or the people in general might easily take it up. The Vedas described two different types of occupation for the human being. One is called pravritti marga, or the path of sense enjoyment, and the other is called the nivritti marga, or the path of renunciation. The path of enjoyment is inferior, and the path of sacrifice for the supreme cause is superior. The material existence of the living being is a diseased condition of actual life. Actual life is spiritual existence or Brahmavuta existence, where life is eternal, blissful, and full of knowledge. Material existence is temporary, illusory, and full of miseries. There is no happiness at all. There is just the futile attempt to get rid of the miseries and temporary cessation of misery is called, is falsely called happiness. Therefore, the path of progressive material enjoyment, which is temporary, miserable, and illusory, is inferior. But, Devotional service to the Supreme Lord, which leads one to eternal, blissful, and all-cognizant life, is called the superior quality of life. This is sometimes polluted when mixed with the inferior quality. For example... Adoption of devotional service for material gain is certainly an obstruction to the progressive path of renunciation. Renunciation or abnegation for ultimate good is certainly a better occupation than enjoyment in the diseased condition of life. Such enjoyment only aggravates the symptoms of disease and increases its duration. Therefore, devotional service to the Lord must be pure in quality, that is, without the least desire for material enjoyment. One should therefore accept the superior quality of occupation in the form of the devotional service of the Lord without any tinge of unnecessary desire, fruitive action, and philosophical speculation. 
This alone can lead one to perpetual solace in his service. We have purposely denoted dharma as occupation because the root meaning of the word dharma is that which sustains one's existence. A living being's sustenance of existence is to coordinate his activities with his eternal relationship with the Supreme Lord Krishna. Hmm. I'd like to read that one again for my own purification. We have purposely denoted dharma as occupation because the root meaning of the word dharma is that which sustains one's existence. A living being's sustenance of existence is to coordinate his activities with his eternal relationship with the Supreme Lord Krishna. Krishna is the central pivot of living beings. And he is the all-attractive living entity or eternal form amongst all other living beings or eternal forms. Each and every living being has his eternal form in the spiritual existence. And Krishna is the eternal attraction for all of them. Krishna is the complete whole. And everything else is his part and parcel. The relation is one of the servant and the served. It is transcendental and it is completely distinct from our experience in material existence. This relationship of servant and the served is the most congenial form of intimacy. One can realize it as devotional service progresses. Everyone should engage himself in that transcendental loving service of the Lord, even in the present conditional state of material existence that will gradually give one the clue to actual life and please him to complete satisfaction. Om Gnyamit Marandasya Gnanjananchalakaya Chakshu Umilitamina Tashmai Shri Uruve Namaha. There is so much that is said in this um, sixth purport and in the translation. It almost, well, not almost, but it pretty much gives the purpose of why we have the Vedic. Scriptures. And it is amazing that the information we're given stretches over 12, is it 12 cantos? Stretches over so many cantos. And the purpose of it is to help us align ourselves with our true purpose in life 
not the material one, but the spiritual one. And what usually confuses us, and I don't think it was set up like that, is the way we enter into this world. Every single one of us that's entered into this world at a distinct point in the universe. That environment and the heredity that we carried with us has a tremendous impact on us. Now, some of us were fortunate to have grown up in a Krishna conscious environment. A lot of us were not. So even talking about material existence and spiritual existence can seem somewhat foreign to us because that may not have been the way we were raised or the environment in which we were brought up was not conducive to this type of instruction. But what is interesting is said here is that we all have a specific purpose, a specific spiritual existence that is totally different from our material existence and our material experiences. We come in at a certain point and we kind of pick up where the family is taking off, whatever family that we were born in, and we're comfortable. And generally, we don't question anything about the hereafter or what's going to happen until we get to be my age or we get to be older than, what is it? What is the age they start real? I don't know, 40, 50? I'm not sure, but generally we are getting older. We have to get older in order to understand the significance of our life, what we've done with it, what we have not done with it, and then to come to realize, to come to this knowledge and realize that all along we had a specific purpose in this life, whether we started with it exactly Every single one of us has a spiritual existence and a spiritual relationship, a transcendental relationship with the Lord. We're given the understanding that we are also part and parcel of the Lord. And depending on how many bad habits or how degraded we've become since birth, it takes a while to imbibe this this information. It takes a while. In the path of discovering who we are, it breaks it down into two categories, and it's really blunt. Usually in a class they're saying you're either for us or against us. But here it explains you're either on the path of enjoyment, material enjoyment, or you're on the path of renunciation. And the path of material enjoyment, poverty, 
Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah, poverty marg is the path of sense enjoyment and nivrity marg is the path of renunciation. And when you talk about material sense enjoyment, if you've been listening to the scriptures when we ended them, what was it, last month? We ended all the cantos and we're starting back again. In each of the scriptures, there are lessons that we are to learn from. But they're real life lessons that have taken place long ago. And some of these experiences are still going on in other planets. But the point is to capture us at whatever point these lessons appeal to us. They're different leelas, they're different pastimes, they're different instructions. Some of us will get it, some won't. Some will understand one point that is being brought up in the scriptures. Others, it will go right over your head, which is why the scriptures are so nice, because they're laid out in such a way that in the Srimad Bhagavatam, if you are on or ready for a path of realization, it's there. All of the instructions in order to get from point A to devotional service to renunciation is there. Now, in the different Puranas, it just depends on whether or not you're in a philosophical mode and um, you want to be impersonal about the knowledge, uh, you want to be attached to the the Brahman, the Brahma Mahoite, the being one with the Lord. There are so many different opportunities for the spirit soul or for the jiva to find his way on the direct path back to Godhead. So we can never say that this information is forced down our throats. We're given an opportunity. We're given free will. That's exactly what we want to call it. It's free will. We're given the free will to decide whether or not we want to enjoy sense gratification and if we're at a point where we can, we'll realize that no much, no matter how much we enjoy it, each time will never be the same and it will never last and it doesn't take us anywhere. And I, I really, I, I, I'm always using the stories of the uh, lifetimes of individuals that pop up in the newspapers, on CNN, on the Internet. Internet has a benefit. There's a lot of benefits to Internet. I used to think, uh, it's a waste of time, but it really isn't. It gives us a bird's eye view of what's going on in the world. And I guess if we really didn't have it, we'd still have a bird's eye view based on whether or not we watched a television set or listened to the radio um, or read the news. It is so obvious now that there is so much to be involved in. And in all of the things that we could possibly think of in having sense gratification, 
No one has ever, no one has ever completely been happy without repeatedly trying something over and over again. And then at that point is when they get to be about maybe my age or someone younger, and they begin to realize that this life that they've had has not led them anywhere. Now, the thing that trips most people up is the relationship that we have with the Lord is a very intimate relationship. It's a very loving relationship, and it's based on service. It's based on service. It's I serve you, you're happy, I'm good. That should be the relationship between two people that love each other, that they try to outserve each other. And in the relationship with Krishna, Krishna will not allow you to outserve him because he will give you so much more than you give him. But it's all about establishing a relationship. We're here because we wanted the relationship that Krishna has. He has everything. He needs absolutely nothing from us. Nothing in the spiritual world, certainly nothing in the material world. He owns everything. But that's how we started here. That's why we're here. We were misdirected because of our desires for sense gratification. We didn't understand the relationship of and how personal it is to serve someone. And with Krishna and with someone you care for, you want to serve them. And if they're happy, eventually you're going to be happy. But it's not even a question of you being happy. And as I said, that whole attitude about being the servant of the servant of the servant, as you mature in Krishna consciousness, you will understand that that is a wonderful relationship. That if you're serving in the, if you're serving in the kitchen, if you're serving out prasadam, just the reciprocation that you get from someone who gives you their plate and you put prasadam on it, you get a smile back. That's nice. It makes, pretty much makes that service really nice to do. Um, washing the pots in the kitchen, you're in a service mode. As a matter of fact, that's one of the intoxicating points at which most of us come into Krishna consciousness. We're washing pots. And I must admit, when I started out washing pots, we had this huge sinks that we had to lean over, and I'm not so tall that I could lean, like lean into the sink without leaning in over in it. But I established a relationship with the water and the pot and the scrubber, and I enjoyed making sure that the pots were clean so that when the cooks were ready to cook the prasadam, they had clean pots. And, of course, they were always happy that they didn't have to do anything extra. That's a serving relationship. And it's your being happy because someone else is happy. And on on the altar, in the temple, on the altar, when you're addressing the deities, when you're feeding them, when you really still yourself and understand the reciprocation 
that is subtly going on on the altar with yourself and the Lord. It's an amazing relationship. It's a personal relationship that you have. And you know that the Lord enjoys the way you're dressing him. If he doesn't, he'll let you know. Very easily he'll let you know. But it's the relationship of being devoted to a particular responsibility or characteristic personality style that we should be developing. Let me try that again. It's important to understand Dharma because each one of you has a different personal relationship with the Lord, a different responsibility, a different obligation, a different give and take, a totally different relationship with the Lord. And it's different from this material relationship. In material life, we may be an accountant, um, a teacher, a doctor, or whatever. Our spiritual, transcendental relationship, our dharma, our relationship that interacts and relates to Krishna is totally different. And we all have different ones. And it doesn't mean that one is more important than the other one doesn't mean that at all and that's the nice part about it whatever your relationship is in relation to Krishna it's important but we have to figure out on this devotional path what it is we're supposed to be doing it can take us it took me maybe what close to 15 almost 20 years to figure out exactly where I was supposed to be situated. Now, Krishna may come along again and just totally reroute what I'm supposed to be doing, but as I said, when I came to Krishna consciousness, I started out helping washing pots because nobody wanted to wash the pots. It was like it's beneath me. But it really wasn't. Then I went from pot washing to, mm, what did I go to next? I went to cooking in the kitchen. Um, it's very nice, but it's also very hot. And my energy is heat. So we don't mix very well. So I went from that to... Um, Helping to arrange the Rathiatra in Michigan. That was a responsibility of mine. And I was totally fine with it. Totally fine. Um, I got a chance to interact with other devotees and to find out and discover the wonderful, uh, what's the nicest way to put this? The wonderful personalities that we really have to deal with in order to get through uh, to the spiritual world. So it's a really good lesson to interact with devotees. Um, sometimes they're the most intense personalities. But I went from um, from helping to... Um, no, before the Rathiyatra, I was uh, I was cooking for the food for life. I was heading up 
the Food for Life. Then I went to the Rathiatra um, as far as uh, helping to put it together with a committee. And finally, it came to the relationship of deity service. Now, it's not that I can't do anything other than deity service. Nothing that I've mentioned to you is beneath me. It's where I believe uh, I fit right now. And it's a pretty good rapport. So, And I know that my relationship still with Krishna goes beyond this. But I'm getting a feeling of how to control certain senses. And I'm dovetailing those senses in the service of the Lord. And in essence, that is what we're supposed to be doing. If you're working, whatever it is you're doing, dovetail that particular responsibility in the service of the Lord. And if you're serious about it, you'll eventually find out what you're really supposed to be doing. And when you do discover it, be happy with it because no one can do that better than you can do it. It's not that if you're not doing deity service, um, you have no value. Some of the most sincere devotees are in the kitchen washing pots or serving out prashadam to see the sweetness on their faces. And that's just right now discovering uh, what we're doing in this material world on the way to our spiritual personalities. I know that was a mouthful, but the point is we all have a particular relationship that we should be on the pathway of establishing with the Lord. We should also understand that the material world that we're living in and the sense Senses that are available to us are not permanent senses. They may be temporarily enjoyable, but they lead us absolutely nowhere. What sustains us lifetime after lifetime is our relationship with Krishna. If you could understand that even when we did not realize in some previous life, who Krishna was, Krishna knew who we were. And he's been looking after us lifetime after lifetime and patiently waiting for us to come back, to come back home. And those that are in Krishna Loka, it's painful for them to see what we have to go through or what we're going through. And they know that this is not, this is not our world. But it doesn't mean that you jump in front of a fast moving train to get back to God yet because you'll never get back that way. You don't take a life in order to gain a life in Godhead. You will need to go through challenges as a devotee. When you understand the end result of everything that you've gone through to get back to Godhead, it's going to be worth it. I was reading, I was doing a a teleconference class yesterday. I do one every week. And I cover um, scriptures that have been 
explained by uh, my guru, Bhakti Tirta Swami. And he had a point in there, and I had to read it over again when we were reading it. And I just want to share that briefly with you. Because wherever you are right now, whatever discomfort that you may be in, mentally, physically, there's something that we need to think about. There are two points that were made. And I'm sure that when he made it, he was picking up exactly from the scriptures. And he was wording it in such a way that the average person could understand it. So if you give me a moment, I want to maybe quickly find this. And it was about the suffering that one goes through. And it was also a statement that was really point blank. There were so many. And in this section, it is actually, it's just saying, dedicate this life to the Lord. And when you think about dedicating this life to the Lord, for some of us who've had certain enjoyments, we think it's boring, but it isn't. Here's a point that really struck home. And it could be the beginning point on which to touch base in spiritual consciousness. It's said that any knowledge that does not lead to wisdom or any relationship which does not improve the quality of our devotional lives is merely a distraction. And all of us can look at the point in which we are right now in life and put that into effect. And we can use that as a guideline. Are we spinning our wheels and wasting our time? Should we be on another tread will? The devotional tread will. The path back to Godhead. Is the relationship, are the relationships that are surrounding us, are they merely a distraction or are they helping us get back or stay on the devotional path to the Lord? Because if they're not, they are a distraction, no matter how temporarily pleasurable they may be, no matter how humorous the personality may be. Uh, no matter how comfortable we may be from time to time in a particular situation, if it is not putting us on the devotional path or putting us in the bhakti yoga sense of life, then it is merely a distraction. It was talking about, there was a point in the, in, um, the uh, surrender book it was making a point about what devotees usually have to go through. And generally, we have to go through some unusual situations that the average, there's such a thing as an average person, that the average person doesn't go through. And the point that he was making, because I'm not going to try to find it, um, the point that was being made is that if you have to go through some hardship, through some 
poverty, through some physical discomfort, um, through some unbearable relationships, if you have to have all the possible problems in the world, and there are many, there are many. You either have too much money or you don't have enough. You either have a true friend or you have a rainy day friend, someone that's there. Well, non-rainy day friend, a friend that's only there, a fair weather friend, that's what they call them. But if you had to go through all of the issues, the illnesses in life, and all of the uncomfortable moments, all of the unbearable moments, all of the anxieties in the world, and the outcome of it was that you never had to take birth again, that you were in your original realm, in the spiritual world, that you were filled with, what, satchit-ananda-vigraha, eternal knowledge, bliss, happiness, eternally. No matter where you turn, there wasn't going to be someone cutting you off because they didn't like the fact that you got ahead of them or that Krishna liked what you did more than what they did for Krishna. We are out of our element. In our real element, we are all in love with each other. We love each other. There is no competition. There is no illness. There is no ill will. But sometimes it takes us the experience of walking into a brick wall or butting our heads up against the wall with an experience to the point where we are sick and tired of being sick and tired or we have had enough. And sometimes that's what most of us have to go through in order to experience spiritual life, to want to be on the devotional path to want to be on the Nivriti Mag, to be on the path of renunciation, of letting things go that have absolutely no benefit or purpose in our life. And as I said, getting back to text six, it almost sums up the purpose as to why the scriptures were written. And again, the translation for six, uh, text six, again says, the supreme occupation of Dharma for all humanity is that by which men or women can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendent Lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated and uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. And the last point I wanted to make was the point about uh, the devotional service being unmotivated. We shouldn't take the devotional service to gain anything from it. And that means having this knowledge and trying to benefit from it materially, financially, um, to gain something other 
than a mood of God consciousness. Um, there are people that will take to various religions for the benefit of maintaining their lifestyles, and that's not quite how it was supposed to be. If you are understanding religion, and if you are understanding the relationship with God, and what your ultimate relationship is with him, you'll find that whatever it is that you're in need of, the Lord will, what is it? The Lord will maintain what, the Lord will carry what, oh dear, that's why it's so important to remember these slokas. He'll maintain what you have. Um, and what is it, Prabhu? What is it again, Sagan? They maintain what you have and carry what you lack. Isn't it good we've got these young minds in here? <laughs> but actually, the Lord does do that. He maintains what you have, and he'll carry what you lack. So there is no loss when you're serving the Lord. There is no, I need this, I need that, Lord. He already knows what you need. Serve. Be the servant of the servant of the servant. Serve his servant. You will find some happiness and some glorification of serving someone. Just being able to assist someone in the process of serving the Lord will make you happy. And whatever it is that you feel that you need, it's probably already there in your path when you just don't realize it. But to make a long story short, at some point in our lives, we have to decide, are we going to serve our material senses or are we going to let go those temporary, illusory material senses and get on the path of renunciation? Letting go things that have no purpose in our spiritual life. Because we'll find that once we're at that point, things become even more livelier and exciting, more than we could ever imagine. So I'm going to end at this point. Does anyone have any comments or questions or anything you want to share? Please, Mata, please feel free to do so. Do you want to say anything? No? Did you want to? Yes, Prabhu. Yes, because I don't, uh, I don't know where the other mic is, and I want to make sure that they hear, because that's a common like We didn't hear what they were saying. Go ahead, Prabhu. Yeah, I'd just like to um, appreciate what you said about service. Mm-hmm. That when you do service for the Lord or for the devotees, his devotees, yeah. that uh, it should be unmotivated. And then, um, I mean, for personal experience, mm-hmm. you know, when you want to provide something for devotees and if it becomes like a business, yes. for me it doesn't feel yes. right. Yes, a business arrangement. Business arrangement, mm-hmm. yeah, and that you will gain something from it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, then I just, for example, like if devotees or temples in Asia needs instruments, mm-hmm. then I just give them directly to the supplier, and I just 
I do it as a service and I don't make money out of it and it feels so much better for me. It really is. To do that, yeah. It is. It is. Our relationship should... I'm sorry, were you going on? And yeah, like, and also it's like our relationship also with Krishna mm-hmm. is the sustenance of our life. That was really deep. Yes, me. it is. Mm-hmm. It actually, it actually is our relationship is with Krishna, and it is our life. It really is. When you put Krishna in the center of your life, and everything evolves around it, you have a perfect life. But when you put something else other than Krishna in the center of your life, you have an imperfect life. Krishna is the center. Krishna is the supreme personality, the supreme attraction. There is no one that everyone can be so attracted to other than Krishna. We have to remember that whatever's going on in our lives, if it's going off track, where is your center of attention? Is it Krishna or is it someone else? And also Prabhu was mentioning that um, in Krishna consciousness, when you're doing something, when you're um, giving in the relationship, when you're serving, it should be in the mood of service and not a business transaction. I give, you give. That's not, that's not a relationship. That's a business deal. And we don't have business deals or business arrangements with those that we love. And certainly not with Krishna. Because Krishna will outdo us every single time. But the point is, in Krishna consciousness, our relationships should be based on in a mood of service and not in a mood of what we can gain from it. So, yeah, that, that's a very important point. Um, very important point that you made. So any other comments? That was good. All right, so we'll end at this point. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Gaur Pamananda. Haribo, Hari Krishna. I have ascended.